Good evening, loyal listeners, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Goofy Goof. Uh, Goofy, the show has a name, you know. Oh, yeah, right. I forgot. Welcome to the Mickey Mouse Club. Goofy, do you see any mice around here? Well, uh, no, but I uh, do see a Michael. Oh, and he doesn't look too happy. I better, uh, I'll just uh, go. Sorry about that, listeners. You're actually listening to Youth Radio here on 89.9 KUNM. I'm your host, Lucia Martinez. And I'm your real additional host, Michael Harley. We've got some great pieces lined up for you this evening. What would Youth Radio be without Kyle and his out-of-this-world conspiracies? Thank goodness we have one this evening. After that, we've got a great piece done by our lovely friend, Zoe Cordes Selbin, from Youth Spin in Austin, Texas. Yay, Zoe! And Jaren's here to do an interview with the participants of a writing group, Voces. But for now, let's throw it to music. On with the show. Uh, what's its name again? Goofy. Goofy. All right. For the first song, we have Flo and Joe by Maya Angelou of her album Miss Calypso. Down in Mako, you'll find a girl named Flo flows in Mako. A guy named Joe and Joe's in Mako to keep away from Flo. He took all her dough back in Idaho. LPG with In Your Mind from the album Godfly. And now, Kyle will treat us with another of his conspiracy corners. This time, he's dug deep into the mysteries of 9-11-ish. If you don't know what ish is, look it up in the dictionary. Almost a week ago, we remembered the day of September 11, 2001. We remembered the people who died then and the events that followed from that day. We remembered, but we did not honor the dead or the lessons inherent in that event. We have forgotten, if indeed we ever knew, how to learn from past events and to ensure that the, su- the success of the future. Again, it was a book that inspired my thoughts for this conspiracy. The book was Animal Farm, written by George Orwell as a means of portraying the events of Russia in the early 1900s through a story of farm animals. What struck me, though, was that the events in Animal Farm paralleled closely the history of some of the most dominant countries and religions of our times. For those who have not read it, here's a brief overview of Animal Farm. Animals, on a farm, are being oppressed and mistreated by their owner, Jones. Following the message of one of their oldest animals, they revolt and gain control of the farm. However, one dictator soon replaces another, and the pigs of the farm replace Jones as the rulers, and soon things are no better than they were with Jones. As I read it, I drew parallels to the history of Christianity. A person comes along with a message, and for a while it is is followed secretly, but eventually it rises up, and then is accepted as the way of life. After a time, though, ideals are changed, and oppression takes over again. Fear is what always keeps people in line, though. In Animal Farm, it's, you don't want Jones to come back, do you? 
Think about it. If you don't follow this, you'll go to hell. If you don't agree with this, you're being influenced by the devil. You see it in American society as well. We don't want terrorists to come and get us all, do we? Tell me, why is it that humans are so completely susceptible to these methods of persuasion? Over and over we get caught by the same hook. We think we uphold this great society of America. We think we follow the ideas of our predecessors without even realizing that those ideas are gone. They are dead. The Constitution is in shreds and all that remains of it is what is in the textbooks. The teachings of Jesus, Muhammad, the Buddha, the beliefs of Martin King and Gandhi, all have been desecrated, trampled, and a facade of their ideas are held up to curtain the fact that we no longer believe in them. And tell me honestly what chance there is that this is going to change. Look at the past. Time and time again corrupt regimes have been thrown down only to have another rise in its stead. And here it is again. The United States are dead, and in their place we have this pathetic shell of democracy. We've not learned. Nineteen radical Muslims crash planes into the Twin Towers, and out of fear we automatically label all Muslims as a threat. Now we've spent thousands of lives in a foreign country whose only real relation to 9-11 was that it was Muslim. Do you know that more than 100,000 lives have been lost in Iraq versus our 3,000 in 9-11? Is it worth it? We traded the lives of others for security that comes in the form of constitutional violations like the Patriot Act. What does our free society become now? This will be my last conspiracy for the near future. I need time now to consider the impact that these five minutes a month have on anything. Because as humans, we talk and talk and talk, but nothing ever comes of it. For the last several thousand years of human civilization, we have circled in this self-destructive pattern despite all the evidence to show that we should change. I've said it before, it's your choice to the role you'll play in the world. I will say now, though, choose wisely. sharing with us your final riveting conspiracy. And now, it's over to Avika for music. Hailing from Sri Lanka, MIA shocked listeners with her early underground singles Galang and Sunshars. With sharp lyrics about urban unease thrown on top of raw beats you can dance to, she showcases her distinctive vocal style and quirky rapping over dancehall rooms in this song. It's Ombre off of her album, A Ruler. You're listening to Youth Radio on 89.9. Goofy, how did you get in here? Oh, uh, that nice Kyle guy let me in when he left. Oh, could you go wait in the back room for a little bit? Oh, all right. Sorry, listeners. If I mentioned Europe, would you think of people driving with the steering wheel on the right side of the car? 
Well, one, that's not true in all European countries. And two, Zoe Cordes Selbin from KOOP Youth Spin in Austin, Texas, has a piece to tell you the real deal when it comes to transportation in Sweden. For most American teens, the freedom to go wherever you want happens at age 16, when that driver's license drops into your hands and you take the wheels. Car-crazy teens talk all the time about what car they want, or even what they'll name their first car. For most teens, the idea of having a car, maybe not right away, but for sure as an adult, is just a given. But it's not like that all over the world. I've spent the past three summers in Umeå, a city in northern Sweden where biking, walking, and busing is the norm. Kids there don't assume that they'll get a car at 16. After all, many of their parents don't even own one. Instead, kids assume that they'll do what everyone else does, use their bodies and mass transit to get where they need and want to go. Which means that everybody's much healthier and there's less pollution, much better than our smoggy cities. But you know what? The best part is that not having a car means more freedom for teens. Sound crazy? Listen to what happens with my Swedish friend Emma on a typical summer day. She lives in Marie Hems, a neighborhood about four miles from downtown, a place where lots of her friends gather to hang out in the square and browse in the shops. She knows that if she wants to go to hang out there, nobody's going to drive her there since her family doesn't even own a car. Nor does she rely on a friend's mom or dad to pick her up to meet her friends at the water park and beach that's five miles in another direction. But nobody bats an eye if she rides her bike or takes the bus, because that's what all the kids do, and it works out fine for them to get themselves around for hours at a time, with no parental involvement. And if the bus isn't convenient or they don't feel like riding bikes, Swedes walk, and not just kids, all ages of people. What people in the U.S. would consider a long distance is nothing to the Swedes. Shortly after arriving in Sweden for the first time, my friends proposed that we all meet in a nearby bowling alley. We set off walking, and walking, and walking, way too far in my American way of thinking. But Swedes just see distances differently, with the result of more health and freedom for all. Now a lot of people think that Americans couldn't ever adjust to lifestyle that depended on walking and biking and busing. I have to admit that when I heard we were using bikes as our car in Sweden, I panicked. I don't do much biking here in Texas, and I was convinced that biking all summer would kill me, or at least leave me sore all over. But fairly quickly, I just got used to it. It's amazing how your body can adjust. It's not to say that I didn't get a little whiny sometimes. There was that 12-mile ride out to the beach where I got a little testy, but by the end of the summer, it didn't seem so bad. Every time we headed back to Sweden, I had to get used to biking again. But soon enough, it'd be normal for me. I'm convinced that any of us, and all of us, could see walking and biking as normal too. It would take some structural changes. Most places need more bike lanes and sidewalks to make this kind of transportation safe and useful. And public transportation needs to be expanded so it can be reliable and affordable for all. We need to start looking to the future. Cars may be convenient now, but there are alternatives. And unless we want a future of pollution and problems, we need to take a page out of Sweden's book. You are listening to Youth Radio on 89.9 KONM, and I believe Goofy is out of the room right now. And if you're just joining us, that was Zoe Cordes Selbin from Youth Spin in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Thanks to her for sharing her experiences of efficient transportation in other countries. For more info on Youth Spin, visit the co-op website at www.koop.org. Then click on Shows to visit Youth Spin. And now let's transport this show over to more music. Up next, we have Butterfly Theory by Project Move off of their album Love Gone Rock. Mm-hmm. 
hustle. One, two, one, two. Yo, yo, I write rhymes and make time pass, tote down bags, achieve a high I can't find in everyday life. Yo, it started as a pastime to make time pass, constructing my own world with my pen and my pad, in the back of the class with the underachievers, rebels looking for a cause, weed heads and test cheaters, youngster used to be at home alone, rhyming into imaginary microphones, somebody else's song. And now, Jaren Kai has an interview with a few participants of Voces an incredible writing program for youth that took place this summer at the National Hispanic Cultural Center. Hi, I'm Jaren Kai with KUNM Youth Radio, and I'm here with a few students and a teacher from the National Hispanic Cultural Center's VOSIS program. Um, can I have each of you introduce yourself, starting with Michaela? Hi, I'm Michaela Renz. I've been a mentor for the VOSIS program for five years. My name's Alyssa Garcia. I go to RFK High School, and I'm 17. Carlos Contreras, I'm a student at UNM, and I was a co-mentor with Michaela in the VOSIS program. Joseph Romero, I go to Albuquerque High, and I'm 17. Okay, welcome. Um, Michaela, to start off with you, what is VOSIS exactly? VOSIS is a writing workshop that happens uh, during the summer for a month in June. The teens come from all over the state, and the program actually runs from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day of the week. And we bring in artists and authors and poets, anyone we can think of, really, to talk to the students about different kinds of writing, about being creative in general. And the kids do a lot of writing all month, and we go for tours. We go to the museum that's at the Cultural Center and we basically just do whatever we can to inspire kids to write. How did the VOSIS program get started? The program was envisioned by Shell Luasas, who's the director of education at the National Hispanic Cultural Center. And she had the brilliant idea of enriching teens' lives basically by bringing them together as a big group and trying to get them excited about writing and hopefully performing and just getting their voices heard. What is the goal of the VOSIS program? The goal is to get teens excited about writing and keep them writing, hopefully, for the rest of their lives. Um, we explore a lot about culture and identity and family and where we come from and who we are as people. And so for me, the goal is really just about um, understanding each other better, understanding ourselves better, and hopefully at the end of the month having had interactions with people we might not necessarily have otherwise and hopefully have new friends. Now, Joe and Alyssa, how did you guys hear about the VOSIS program? Well, last year I was on the Youth City team and my coach, one of my many coaches, Carlos Contreras, came and told me about it one day at practice and he gave me everything I needed to do to get in into the program, and he was my reference, and, and that's it. Um, Carlos also told me about it. He came to me at school and um, convinced me to do it and told me I'd learn a lot, and it would be good for me to go and experience something like that. So, And he also was my reference, and he did everything for me. <laughs> and this was both of your first year with the VOSIS program, correct? Yes. Yeah. 
Now, Carlos, how long have you been involved with the VOSIS program? Uh, I've been involved with the VOSIS program now for four years. Next year will be my fifth year, and uh, in different capacities every year. How did you start out? I started out as a student of the program. Um, I was referred to it by a mentor um, of mine who was actually going to be a workshop facilitator for the month of June, um, for parts of it anyway. And I applied, and I got in as a student, and then I came back the next year um, in a different capacity. Uh, Michaela, you, how did you start out with the VOSIS program? I was invited to be the mentor for the program's very first year. Um, originally, Dr. Luasis had contacted a lot of different teachers in Albuquerque. Um, she initially wanted to get someone Hispanic because it is the Hispanic Cultural Center, um, I'm white, and uh, but I'm a local of Albuquerque, and it just so worked out that I was going to be moving back to Albuquerque from Seattle, and I had um, a background in editing and teaching and writing myself and knew a lot of different people to bring into the program, and so I started that very first year. What was your experience like with the VOSIS program? I got to lead, meet a lot of cool people. Uh, people I normally wouldn't try to be friends with in regular life. And everyone in the program was great. I consider them all good friends now. And it really helped me by, in my writing. I didn't, never used to write. Now, after the program, I'm writing like at least every other day. And that's really good for me. Um, I got um, to learn a lot, like, with the different writing, like, areas, um, and also performance. I was always afraid to perform and be on a stage by myself, like a really big stage. And so Carlos um, challenged me to read one of my most personal poems on a stage, and that helped me a lot with confidence and getting over that fear. Carlos? Um... I guess I just I, I take away everybody else's experiences with me, and, and that's what I get out of it. I think it's a lot of fun to interact with everybody every day and see where they're coming from every po at every point of the day and, and what they're getting out of it because I'm there to make them have the most fulfilling experience that they could possibly have and for them to get everything out of it that they want to get. And so I'm primarily concerned with them, and so at the end of the month, if everyone's still smiling... Then, then that's the best thing to take away from it. Michaela? For me, each year is kind of a miracle that I, the first week I think, oh, this is never going to work. <laughs> they're, these, these kids are too different. Um, they're, they're just not going to learn anything from me or from each other. And somehow in probably the second week it all all of the barriers i think start to crumble a little bit and um you can only keep your walls up for so long and when you're with people for however many hours every day for a month um people are going to see you at your highs and your lows and everything in between and so i think for me it's just such a joy to see people from so many different backgrounds I mean, we get Hispanic kids and white kids, and we've gotten Native American kids over the years. And, you know, to see everybody just interact and 
doing something together when writing itself is such a solitary pursuit is such a gift. I mean, writers tend to get lonely. It's a lonely thing to do. And to do that in a group and share work constantly and get feedback constantly is just a blessing, I think, for everybody. And it's a joy to be involved. What words of wisdom or hope would you say to the youth of Albuquerque, each one of you, on anything? Stay brown. <laughs> I like your answer in there better. Um, I guess I would have to say if there was one thing to leave with everybody is that poetry saves lives, that it, it changes kids' lives. And um, if there were other schools or programs that were to model, model themselves after the Voices program, it would be something that would be very successful and life-changing for a whole lot more youth in this state or in this country because uh, it's a therapy and kids attach to it and take to it like you wouldn't believe and it's it's fun to see and so if it got a little bit more attention it could definitely do a whole lot more good i i would say that your voice matters and that writing is a craft and a skill and you need to develop it in order to honor your story and for me that's really at the heart of the voces program is that everybody has a story to tell Everybody has strength to share and horrible things that have happened to them. And if you can hone your skills to be able to tell that story and connect with other people, then you're honoring your past and hopefully learning the lessons that you need to be happy in your life and be able to share that with other people. Um, I guess... Don't lose yourself in, like, what you think everyone wants you to be. Like, be who you are and don't get, like, pushed down or, like, think you're not as good as everyone because of your writing. And, I guess, stay confident. Thank you. Um, this has been uh, my interview with the students from the VOSIS program out of the Natural National Hispanic Culture Center. For KUNM, I'm Jaren Kai. Now, a few of our guests will perform some poetry pieces that they brought in with them. In silence lies chaos, not to be heard, and for the next few minutes, I will be your television. Listen intently, you just might learn a few things about yourselves. Why you cry yourself to sleep at night. Why your mother never accepted your lifestyle and why you still wish she had. The duality of things has never seemed so confusing, and all you want is a way out. Well then, you're my perfect audience. When spoken to of unbearable situations, will you crack? Skin shattering, eyes filling, how much more can you take? A young African-American girl was raped today. Her screams were heard throughout Central Park. A young reporter played witness, could have played hero, but instead decided for the event to be breaking news. A young homosexual boy was beaten, bloodied, and left for dead last night. He was tied in a position that resembled a crucifixion. His injuries too severe, his body depleted, a modern-day martyr. May the soul of Matthew Shepard rest in peace. The sun ceased to rise today, a miracle really. You see it heard the prayers and saw the sadness in the little girl's eyes. It's just one day. Please, 
She's part of Miss Johnson's third grade class. If the sun does not rise, school bells do not ring. And for today, just for today, to be ridiculed, to be called fat by her classmates could have proved to be too much. She could have spiraled downward, lost. I am your television. I bet you want to change the channel, but you can't. And the truth hurts. This is just a test. It is only a test. If it were a real emergency, 41 shots would have been aimed at your existence, your body the one wavering back and forth from the bullet parade flooding the streets of your body red. You've just visualized the death of Amadou Diallo. While reaching for his wallet, New York City reality became of the situation, and police drew their guns for 41 shots. Point blank. Kind of like the point I'm trying to make. I am your television. I don't come with breaking news. Forget Jerry Springer. These are the days of our lives. This is the real world. The Amazing Race has begun. Now the only thing left to see is who will be the real survivor. When I was in the fifth grade on Fridays, my father would pick me up from school. He drove a Toyota two-seater truck so small if the wind blew hard enough it would tip over. The only time he wasn't yelling at me is when we're in that truck listening to our favorite tape, Nirvana Unplugged. I can sing along with the whole tape. Father, on the other hand, only sang for his favorite song. Come as you are, as you were, as I want you to be. Take your time, hurry up. The choice is yours, don't be late. My father could turn a 15-minute car ride into a two-hour-long journey he'd love to drive. Whenever my little sister had the privilege, privilege of joining us, she would belt out the only part of the tape she knew. Ain't nothing on the top but a bucket and a mop and an illustrated book about birds. I seen a lot up there, but don't be scared. Who needs action when you got words? We grew up around a lot of domestic violence, so anytime we can leave the house, we're grateful. We were at a gas station in Bernalillo. My dad saw the guy used to beat his ex-wife, and he went off. It was funny because he made the man cry. Didn't actually even hit the man yet. He just had that, I'm going to beat your ass until you cry look, and the guy decided to get a head start. My father told me never to fear anything, and I didn't until the day I couldn't find my tape. My girl, my girl. Where have you gone? I'm going where the cold wind blows In the ponds The ponds where the sun don't ever shine I'll shiver the whole night through I can't remember what he looks like But I will always remember who he was I want to tell them everything that happened that first night I didn't come home, but I can't. I know they'll say it wasn't my fault, but every day I think what I could have done to take myself out of that position, so it is my fault. I shouldn't have been there at all, but life in all its sincerity was lying to me and time was pushing me to a place that I never wanted to see. I had no control. Fourteen years old seemed so secure, but I grew up with the people who used white powder dreams religiously, and it was only a matter of time before their dreams were mine too. My best friend of the night gave me something I want to hide from the innocent and naive because it's what their parents told them happened to the girls they warned them about. That was only the beginning and they really don't want to know the truth about a high school girl getting taken advantage of as they like to put it. But it's real and I know now it was my fault for making him want to be the villain in my life of heroes and secret societies. He can't give back what he took away from that night. The light was darker than anything, and his once bright eyes were a color of insanity that I never wanted to see again. 
Through the sound of ripping clothes, I can hear what I should be saying but can't because my voice is being strangled by fear. He says sorry, but it means nothing. I know it was my fault. I should have done what I said I always would. The best high ever is the worst memory of when my truths became jokes that no one is laughing at. I know I'm scaring my loyalist alibis with my carelessness, but they don't get it. I don't understand myself. Living in reality is a waste of time, and I don't care that it takes so long to see what's right in front of me. I love that he gave me the ability to see what I was always too afraid of. I only wish he would have done it in a different way because I've spent three years killing myself, and my promise to my only truth has been a lie. I'm sorry I made him want to do it, but I just want to tell them what happened that first night I didn't come home. Deep in the south, the clansmen are rebuilding. They are breeding hate in numbers. Their youth are dreaming now. One boy dreams of the cross burning the night before. One dreams of the flame that flickered at the end of his torch. And one is dreaming of the night he started his first inferno. And he's happy because he knew it wouldn't be his last. His father hands him the torch and pushes him towards the cross. He says, let your soul burn, my son. He turns his attention towards the, towards the crowd and starts to scream. You let them know they do not belong in our country. Send them home. They are standing in the middle of the giant human circle, and one boy is thinking to himself, how wise and strong are these men? I can't wait to become just like them. The men throw their tor torches towards the crosses the youth follow. The men open their arms, ready to accept the fire and whatever else should become of their practices the youth follow. They found him at a gas station, hit him over the head and pulled him into the back of a truck, took him out to an empty field and beat him to death the youth followed. They strung him up in a tree and from the back of the crowd someone screamed, Lynch that nigger! Let him learn! He does not belong in our country! They are hypnotized by the fire that engulfs the one so holy and peaceful symbol. You want the body? We buried it out back. Now you know why they cry. Thank you to all of our guests who participated in the writing program, Voces, and Jaron Kai for conducting the interview. You're a conductor now, Jaron, but you'll have to give the conductor's stick over to Vikra because now it's time for music. Up next we have... Wes Montgomery, who is one of the greatest jazz guitarists, a natural, a natural extension of Charlie Christensen, whose appealing use of octaves became influential and in his trademark. He achieved great commercial success during his last few years. Off of his album, Full House, here is Accustomed to Your Face. Mambo in Trinidad, Mambo in Portugal, Mambo in Mexico, Mambo in Barbados, Mambo in Bahia, Mambo in Africa. Queen and I feel like a song I feel like a wings and I just can't go 
Before that, you heard Mambo in Africa by Maya Angelou. And welcome to the Youth Radio Weekly Calendar. I'm Kyle Ferris, and I'll be your guide through all the crazy things that are going on this week in New Mexico. We Are All Related is an event to raise money and food for such community organizations as the Storehouse Food Bank and the Morning Star Shelter. It will be held on Sunday, September 24th at the Maple Street Dance Space and will include musical entertainment. The cost of admission is one non-perishable food item and one small plush toy. To learn more, call 286-7641. Amy Goodman, the host of Democracy Now! will be in Albuquerque on September 29th. She will be at the UNM Student Union Building for a lecture and book signing. To find out more about this event, visit the Democracy Now! website at www.democracynow.org. The exhibit La Ultima Grande is currently open at the South Broadway Cultural Center. This exhibit is by the Mezcla Group and is based on an interpretation of Rudolfo Anaya's book Bless Me Ultima and will be showing through October 20th. To find out more, call 848-1320. The Southwestern Association for Indian Arts, or SWAIA, is pleased to announce a lecture series in collaboration with Southwest Seminars. Southwest Seminars is a Santa Fe nonprofit organization committed to sensitive cultural education and to working with those who share the same commitment. In that spirit, they graciously agreed to designate SWAIA the beneficiary of the 2006 Native Voices Lecture Series. The public program is assisted by the Hotel Santa Fe of Picuris Pueblo Enterprise. All lectures start at 6 p.m. at the Hotel Santa Fe. To find out the dates and subjects of these lectures, call 466-2775. Again, that number is 466-2775. On the theater end of things, Lunasa, an Irish acoustic group that is hailed as one of the most popular Celtic bands today, will be performing at the Chemo Theater. This performance will be held on Wednesday, October 4th. Also coming up at the Chemo is My Heart in a Suitcase. This play is based on the true story of a 12-year-old girl's bravery during World War II. This performance will be held on Sunday, October 22nd. Sadly, the summer is almost gone, and we are now reduced to post-summer movie attempts such as Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, The Black Dahlia, or other such films that no critic likes, but we have to live with. To counter this, The Guild is offering other alternatives, such as Global Kirky and A Scanner Darkly. To find out more about the films offered at The Guild, go to guildcinema.com. That wraps it up for the Youth Radio Weekly Calendar. Remember, if you want to have events read on our calendar, send them to youthradio at kunm.org. Now back to the hosts. That sure was a great show. What did you think, Lucia? You are still here? Oh, uh, yeah, but uh, I'll just go again. Well, now that he's gone and we have Michael back, let us complete the credits. Our productively proactive producers this evening were Diana Baron moore and Roman Garcia. 
Our energetically energized engineer was Philip Riley. Our wonderfully wonderful music director was Avikra Lucky. Our amazingly ambiguous calendar host was Kyle Ferris. Jaren interviewed the fantastically fantastic participants of Voces, Michaela Renz, Alyssa Garcia, Carlos Contreras, and Joseph Romero. That positively powerful PRX piece was just outstanding, was it not? It was produced by our good comrade, Zoe Cordes Selbin, from Austin, Tes- from Austin, Texas. And as always, thanks to Kyle for his mysteriously mysterious conspiracy corner. Not that we haven't mentioned him enough in the credits tonight, but there's another reason to. Tomorrow's is Kyle Ferris's 17th birthday. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday! Other agile yet absent members of Youth Radio are Mars Chalon and Paolo Castillo. <laughs> Can't forget her. The teenagers at heart who helped us this week, so many, Roberta Rael, Steve Emmons, Roman Garcia, Marcos Martinez, and just joining us, Elizabeth Dwyer. I was your Lucia-tastic host, Lucia Martinez. And I was your Michael-tastic host, Michael Harley. And I'm your Goof-tastic host, Goofy Goof. Coming up next is Spoken Word. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Goofy. Goofy. Now listen, man, it started out up in the middle of spring, right when the earth starts to blossom, bringing beautiful things, like flowers, bright colors, and the children are swings, but better yet, it's just a teaser to what someone can bring, like lollipops.